couple of weeks ago, I said to Jill, um, Louise has asked me to speak on listening to God. How do you think I ought to go about preparing something like this? And she looked at me and just thought for a moment, she said, I'm sure you've got your hearing aids in. <laughs> the mountain here where Jesus is transfigured is probably Mount Hermon, which was 9,400 feet high. And Luke tells us that Moses and Elijah spoke with him about his departure. And the word departure there is exodus in from the Greek language, translated from the Hebrew. And um, interesting that they both, Moses had his exodus and Jesus was going to take death, destroy death and take us from there. We have a mighty exodus moving into the heavens. And Peter shouts out something about building three shelters. And we're told that um, Luke says he really doesn't know what he's saying. In other words, um, uh, but the father steps in at this point and says, but this is my son, listen to him. In other words, Moses spoke to his times, and Elijah did likewise. But now Jesus, my son, has stepped into world history. In the fullness of time he's come. Or listen to what he has to say. He is the fulfillment of all that they were saying. And listening to God's voice is vital for all of us on the journey of life. Um, if we're going to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And when Samuel was a boy and um, the Lord came to him, um, he said, um, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, your servant hears. And that really is a principle of life for us. We ought to be um, understanding this, listening to God. I've got three questions I want to build this talk around this morning. And um, the first one is this, how does God speak to people? Um, how do you do it in the Bible? And um, I, I don't know whether Ben's good, but I'll put those up in a second, Ben. Yeah. Um, in, in the Bible, he spoke in an audible voice, and he spoke to Moses, and he spoke to Samuel in that way. We've just seen that Samuel says, speak, Lord. I'm listening, and the Lord did. He came in dreams. Um, to Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, he spoke to Joseph, he says, up and get out of here, move away and get down to Egypt. He spoke by angels, Gabriel came to Zechariah, and, um, who was going to be John the Baptist's father, and he had a message from him, stepping right out of the presence of God, this angel, angelic being, he said. And then God speaks through creation as well. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And day unto day pours forth speech. And then the Bible itself, as we read it, is the word of God. We're told in Daniel 9 that he was meditating in Jeremiah for his quiet time, quiet time that day. And um, saw that the Jews should be going back to their land after years in captivity. And then God speaks through men and women as well. Peter's message on the day of Pentecost is a clear example. When men heard this, they were cut to the heart. And books and tracts as well, um, leaflets, uh, are God's way. I was greatly moved by this with Elliot's book, Shadow of the Almighty. It was a life-changing book for me. And then God speaks through a troubled conscience sometimes as well. Anybody 
had that experience. You know you've got to go and put something right. You know that something needs sorting out. And if you're a committed Christian, you'll know that troubled conscience is there. David knew it in the Psalms when he talked about it. I think God speaks sometimes through an inner restlessness. Let me give you an example from my own life. 1979, we were returning from Italy as a family, and um, Victor Jacks said, Godfrey, there are about half a dozen churches, brethren-based churches, looking for a pastor. Looking for a pastor. I'm going to put you in touch with these, the, these churches. And I spoke to about, I think, about five. One in Ipswich, one in Cambridge, and others. But one was in Tewkesbury in Gloucestershire, and they had a, a house available as well. And I had a wife, two boys, and a brown dog that had come to live at my expense as well. And I needed to find a place um, for them quickly to live. And so I said to the folk at Tewkesbury, um, dear brethren, I'll be, I'll be joining you in a couple of months when we can really pack up and come home. But I was restless inside. Uh, I, I just knew that I'd made a wrong decision, and I had to come to that point of listening to that restlessness and say to the brethren in Tewkesbury, I'm so sorry. I can't come. Um, it's a lovely story, but we were led to settle in, in the manse at Weatherden for a while, uh, uh, a Baptist church manse in Weatherden near Stonemarket. And then the leaders from the church in Rushmere came up and said, Come on, God, for your places with us. When I said yes and moved there, there was peace in my heart, the restlessness had gone again. But that was God speaking. In a nutshell, every time we open our Bibles for our reading and listen to the Bible explain, or we face minor or bigger decisions, we should be asking God to speak to us and that we might live in the enjoyment of Him. I heard a man say it this way, there is a difference between the rituals of religion and a relationship with God. There's a difference between, uh, between the rituals of religion and a relationship with God. And we need to be hearing from God. That is so important. Um, my next question is this, why do we need to hear God's voice? Why do we need to hear God's voice? Because God is moving to an eternal purpose. He has a plan for our lives. Listen to the way the Bible puts it and interpret this into your own circumstances. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you, uh, uh, plans to give you hope and a future. This does not mean a trouble-free life, but it does mean, though, a fulfilled one. Um, let me bring before you three areas where God would want to speak into our lives, and it is the height of wisdom on our part to hear what God has to say. Firstly, God speaks to give us a knowledge of the truth. The Apostle Paul said it like this, the Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he said to Titus, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. <clears throat> when people become Christians, it means for many <clears throat> they get a totally different world view. For others, the acceptance of absolutes. Uh, for all of us, an understanding of the basic truths of historic Christianity. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, when we were in Italy, I, I made a friend with an Italian guy from Pavia, that's near Milan, Milan. And um, Danilo was a picchiatore, as the Italians will call the guy, um, a, a, a fighter on the church squares. He was in a communist, leader of a communist cell. 
And one day some Finnish Christians were coming to came to his town, gave him a Bible and gave him the challenge to read um, this Bible. And they said, you'll find it helpful. Daniel did it. He had a radical conversion just through reading the scriptures like that. And, uh, but for them, for Danilo, it meant a completely different world of view for him. And uh, away from the Marxist Leninism, dialectical materialism, and uh, what he had been trained in and taught in up to that point. Um, Lenin said, you can't, um, um, you can't sort of have a, uh, an omelet without breaking the eggs, and so you can't have a new society without smashing the old. And so this was Danilo's philosophy. He became a Christian. And then he had to have God's worldview, seeing all of life through God's eyes. Um, I think also of a guy called Albert Camus. Uh, he was the father of what's called existentialism. And certainly when we were working among the students of Parma uh, University, a Bologna University years ago, um, they were ex existentialists. There is no God. All we know is that we exist and that we have to authenticate our own existence doing whatever we feel is right. And um, that was their philosophy of life. Albert Camus was one of the founders of this. Um, but years later, in his early 50s, in Paris, moving around, he came across a little Methodist church run by uh, with an American pastor. He friendly, they became friends, and the American pastor led him to Jesus. And Albert Camus from that day on had a different worldview. He found in Jesus all he could never find in his theory of existentialism. Very sadly, he was killed in a car crash in his 50s, and the world never really knew that the trade transformation in his life. Ravi Zacharias used to say, uh, the Indian um, uh, apologist to young people of his time, that we need answers to the origin, to, to, uh, to the questions of origin, where have we come from? Meaning, what are we doing here in this world? Morality, who sets the rules? And destiny, where will we be in 200 years' time? We are all on a massive learning curve, and through speakers and books and friends, God will speak to transform us. His purpose is to communicate truth, truth about himself, ourselves, this world, and the future. The big question is, are we listening? And how much have we allowed God to actually step into our own private lives and to mould and shape and transform our thinking until we think God's thoughts after him? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, then secondly, how, I'm just heading, how, um, how God, well God's, sorry, God speaks to lead us and guide us as well. Um, a good question to ask ourselves is this, does it matter that we feel our lives should have God's clear guidance? And uh, Nicky Gumbel, say, uh, the, the Alpha Course, and uh, two, he said to young people recently, the two great day, greatest days of your life are on the day you were born, are the day you were born, and the day that you found out why. Then he said to them, he quoted something to them, he said, your life has a purpose, your story is important, your dreams count, your voice matters, you were born to make an impact. God is there, God speaks to teach us truth, but he's teaching, 
He's leading, he's wanting to lead us and guide us. And uh, perhaps you're seeking for a word of guidance in your life at the moment. Perhaps you're wrestling with uh, an area of life and you've got to make a decision and you don't quite know what to do and you're talking to some friends. Um, it's good to know that God wants to guide us. Right from the early pages of the Bible, we find that God was speaking to people to guide them. Abraham is led from Mesopotamia to Israel. The children of Israel are led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day until they get to the Promised Land. And there they blew it for 40 years, but they got into the Promised Land. God guided them as 12 tribes exactly to where they should be. Psalm 31 says this, Since you are my rock and my fortress, Lord, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. In Acts 16, 12, the Apostle Paul is clearly guided by God to move into Europe and then to go to Philippi. And all of us, as we move through life, will have choices and decisions to make, some minor and some major. If we fear God and love Him, we will want to experience Him guiding us in all we do. Um, and in the words of the Apostle Paul, um, in the ways, in, in, in God's way, because He has prepared good works to do, and um, in advance for us to do. Isn't that incredible? God's prepared works in advance for us to do. The big question is this, how does guy, God guide his people? How will he speak to us to teach us? <clears throat> I said earlier on that some of you might be, uh, some of you this morning might be saying, Lord, guide me with our great Jehovah, pilgrim to this barren land. I am weak, but you are mighty. Hold me with your powerful hand, but please just guide me. How will God do that? Let me give you just rapidly five ways in which you can look and say, hey God, would you please guide me? in these ways or in one of these ways. Firstly, God will guide us through what he teaches us in what we read in the Bible. And if we are seeking guidance on a particular matter, God will never guide us uh, contrary to what he has already revealed as his will in the Bible. Let me give you a, um, a couple of examples. Um, when we were boys in the Bible class in, in Wimbledon, um, uh, our Bible class leader had a friend called Ralph Chavis. Ralph Chavis was a missionary in the Chad and then in France. And Ralph used to come to speak to us boys and he said, he told us about guidance, taught us about guidance one day. He said, let me tell you about a lady in France uh, who wanted to marry a non-Christian man. And she said, Lord, if it's your will for me to marry this man, um, would you please cause it to snow tonight? And um, Ralph said there was a blizzard that night, as if it had never snowed before. And so um, this lady was glad, and um, she married the man. But it was a total disaster, and soon ended in divorce. And then Ralph said to us, um, because he said, of course it would be. He said, because God has spoken in the Bible very clearly on the subject of marriage, of marrying between believers, believers marrying believers. Uh, he must be, she must be in the Lord. And then God asks us to use our good common sense. If something is clearly in the Bible, yes, you can marry in the Lord. And we use our good common sense to say, are we compatible? Uh, can we reason things out together? Or is it wise to leave my job at this point? But basically, God will never guide us contrary to what he has revealed in the Word. So we, can, we must ask God according to his Word. 
And then a reading from the Bible can confirm us, looking at the Bible as a way of guidance, can confirm us in a decision or stop us completely. Um, I'll give you an example. I, I had a, uh, about eight years ago, I had a phone call from a, a guy in Italy and he said, Godfrey, he said, the committee would like you to come and speak at the Spinetta conference uh, this year, or, or later in the year, it was about February time, would you come in for late August to speak at the Spinetta conference? And uh, I was in, in a panic because that meant uh, a massive big marquee with a lot of people there, a lot of people there. And I thought, yeah, my, my Italian is okay, but it, it, I think it's rusty for conference level, something like this. And I'm going to be put to shame, you know, I'll just be so embarrassed before these people. So I said, um, Stan, I said, give me 24 hours and I'll come back to you. But in my heart I was saying, no way can I do that, it's just a, a step too far. My Bible reading the next morning um, was in Isaiah chapter 54. And as I read Isaiah 54, I was absolutely bowled over. Because this is what Isaiah says, um, enlarge the place of your tent Stretch the curtains wide. Do not hold back. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. The Lord will call you back. Oh wow, you know, the strength of that, that just seems so clear that the God is saying, get out there son, get out there and go. This is your place in August. And, um, and that's the way God does it. Um, let me say at this point that all of us will make many mistakes in seeking guidance from God. I've got it wrong many times, and so have people right through church history, from the Puritans and the uh, people in the Evangelical Awakening in the 17th century. God does not come and say to somebody, right, that's it, you've blown it, you know, there's nothing else for you finished. Uh, as we pray, he gently leads us through other circumstances to get us where he wants us to be. So God guides us through the Bible, and then God will guide us through the Holy Spirit living within us. Every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who speaks and guides us, and he wants to speak to us. He might say, don't share that matter with people, or don't crack that joke again. That's not the kind of thing you should be saying. Uh, open your heart on a particular subject. Or it might come to you in the night hours in your anxiety and remind us of all God's promises. It might seem that the older we get in life, the more we should be more courageous and courage. But uh, I've found perhaps in, in recent years that sometimes you wake up in the night and your heart beats a bit. And then into your mind comes the first, do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, then your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's the Holy Spirit speaking into me there. And, uh, and some people have visions and pictures to help them uh, come to a conclusion. Others may have a strong feeling that they must write to someone or phone somebody or send somebody some money. Have you ever had that conviction to the Holy Spirit that you didn't sign a meeting? Yeah, maybe I need to send him a, uh, a check or, or write, with maybe they, and, and then it's just been the Holy Spirit that's spoken to you. When we receive 
Jesus as our Saviour. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. What happens then is the Holy Spirit breaks into our soul life and he begins to move upon our mind, our emotions and our will to then energise the body so that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. But the Holy Spirit is a great power within. But then thirdly, we have the advice of Christian friends. Um, uh, and it's so important to have others who can listen uh, with uh, listening ears from, uh, from a couple of friends uh, can be so helpful. Once again, uh, an example from my own life, in 1992, um, we had a major decision to make. Italian believers in the town of Modena had said, hey, go for come back, and um, would, you, would you please come back? And I, I've been with a church in Rome for four years, and an uh, international church, and it was, it was great to be with them, but I felt maybe the Lord was saying, you must go back. And uh, uh, as a family, as Jimmy and I grew up, uh, uh, we took an A4 sheet of paper, like we always do when there's a major decision. We draw a great black line right down the middle like that. And on one side, we put all the reasons being ruthlessly honest, why we should go back, and then why we should stay, or rather on the other side, why we should go. And, uh, and we prayed about that. And then I talked it over with a close friend. And uh, some of you might know Paul, Paul John, he used to be in Suffolk. And talked it over with Paul, um, which is good because, as you see here, with a close friend like this, um, these guys or ladies can really ask us the kind of questions they, that should be asked. They might say something like this, are you sure that you're not running away from something? Are you trying to escape? Or have you thought through the consequences? of this. Um, you really thought through it. Or do you feel you are really cut out for this role? Or are you biting off more than you can chew? And God can put some, it's good to, to limit it to a few, but to ask people to, to run things past them. And that's often been a good way of guidance. Moving on quickly. Fourthly, inner peace. When we are in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, we have inner peace. The Apostle comes and says to us, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We know that we have listened to God's voice and obeyed it, uh, that voice deep within. When the restlessness goes, the anguish goes, the confusion goes, and peace floods our hearts. That's important. The peace that transcends all understanding. Um, just one more sign. It's called circumstantial evidence. And by this I mean that God confirms in some way um, what he has always shown us. We hear his voice, we know it's his voice, because um, he may have spoken to us. We might be wrestling with a, um, with a particular issue. And God, um, we might have a reading that day, may have been in Psalm chapter 1. And so we read someone, and wow, the Lord's spoken to me. Well, later that day, a letter arrives from the postman, and, um, and there's a little um, leaflet inside. It's a bit of a, it's, it's a verse from a calendar that, that was in there. And, and an old friend says, hey, I was thinking of you today, and I, I, I don't know, I've just been moved to put in uh, this, this verse from, from Psalm 1. You might find it helpful. 
and you had it in the morning and you got it again through the post late in the day. It's God just confirming that sign. Circumstantial signs. So that's how God, um, God we've asked the question how um, or um, God speaks, why does he want to speak to us? He wants to speak to us to um, give us truth. He wants to speak to us to guide us and lead us. Dare I say it again, I, I must say it again, that we've got to know as we move through life that we're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And God will guide us through the Bible, He will guide us through the Holy Spirit, Christian friends, inner peace, circumstantial evidence, because He's speaking to us. He wants to talk to us. And lastly, this I close, asking the question, what else is God looking for when He speaks to us? Just an, an arm around the shoulder. Um, he's wanting fellowship. We probably don't know people. I mean, Jill said this pretty recently. She says, we don't know people in life unless we spend time with them, listening and sharing to them. Um, I walk along the journey of the Christian life. I've always valued the guys, um, men in churches and people, families, and say, hey, come, 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 let's go for a walk together. And when you go on a walk with people, you get to know them and share with them. I love to take guys with me and walk and talk and just, just have fellowship like that. We had scores of nurses and carers coming to our home over a period of 10 years to care for Jimmy. The ones that we got to know well were those who were willing to open up to us and share something about themselves and ask questions about us. You know, so giving and taking. And uh, they became family friends because they listened and we listened. But in this case, the whole purpose was for friendship, for fellowship. One more example. I, I went years ago with a group of guys trekking in Wales. I was new to them and they were new to me. There were about eight or ten of us around a log fire one evening in a little, um, little um, cottage that we had hired, it was in North Wales, and they'd been walking. And I listened to these guys for quite a while, and then a big tough guy, a brother-in-law or a close friend of mine, sort of just said, come on, Godfrey, now. You know, you're here with us, so tell us something about yourself. And uh, I was able to, and they shared too. And the whole purpose of listening to one another was for no other reason than just to enjoy one another just to enjoy. And this is part of the, the, the walk we have with the Creator, just to hear Him and enjoy Him and to feel we're at peace with Him and He's leading us through life. This is why God literally just falls out of heaven. He said, this is my beloved Son. Oh, listen to Him. Hear Him. He'll communicate to you. So when we open our Bibles on a daily basis, uh, it's not just a question of saying, Lord, I've got this to do today, but it's also saying, Lord, what have you got to say to me today? Oh, I want to hear your voice, because I want to be led along the way in my marriage, in my church, among my friendships, in my job. I just want, I want to know what you're saying. What are you saying? Um, well, I said all I have to say this morning, but if if you'd like some prayer um, um, before you go home today, I'll be uh, on, sit somewhere just over here, um, or just come up and say, can, you know, 
um, um, Andrew's going to join me, and Jill. And so if anybody would like some prayer, just for guidance, to say, you know, make sure that we're, we're on course and just to hear God's voice, then we can have some prayer together. That would be fine. Let's just pray. Dear Father, we thank you that you speak today. And in these last times, you've spoken to us by your Son. And we really want to walk with him and fulfill his desires for us. Oh Lord, we pray that you might know this and enjoy it. That you might enjoy us as you talk to us and as we listen to you. And may we a revolution changing our hearts, knowing this guidance that you give us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.